0: Support for this podcast is provided by Attrax. Attrax is the total career site system, which converts site visitors into high-quality job applicants. A fully SaaS system, Attrax is powered by the latest AI to deliver an outstanding and relevant talent experience, personalised employer branding, and a strong conversion of candidates into the ATS. To find out more, go to www.attrax.co.uk, that's www.attrax.co.uk, and Attrax is spelled A T -t -t There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine, than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 267 of the Recruiting Future podcast. In 2006, I wrote a blog about the imminent demise of the resume, arguing that they were no longer relevant in our new digital world. Fast forward 14 years and resumes, or CVs if you live in the UK, are still the most common anchor point for the recruitment process. The problem with resumes is not just one about digital relevance now, it's about the effectiveness and integrity of recruiting itself. So what are the alternatives and how can the industry move forward? My guest this week is Sterling Gray from The Chemistry Group, an organisation that has been pioneering new approaches for employers to assess and hire talent. Hi Sterling and welcome to the podcast. An absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Could you just introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Sure. Uh, My name is Sterling Gray.
1: I work for The Chemistry Group. I am a client partner um, and that means that I am on the front lines of helping us expand our work into uh, some of the largest businesses in the world, helping them with recruiting and internal development.
0: Fantastic stuff. Um, before we sort of get into the main body of our conversation, tell us a bit about your story. H- how did you get to, to do what you do now?
1: I, I grew up in New York City, in Manhattan, um, in the 80s and 90s, I went to public schools. I went to public university. I came out. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I started in in real estate sales, moved into pharmaceutical sales. Um, then I kind of went back to to grad school, retooled, kind of fell in love with with consulting and and business strategy, and then ended up in this in this space um, where where we try and help organizations kind of better marry. Individuals to work. I mean, that's a, that's the crux of of, of what we do, um, and that has you know unearthed all these really interesting difficulties and, and problems, uh, you know, of how we most effectively and efficiently do this.
0: It's a really interesting point, and something that I've been reflecting on recently is you know why are we, why are we still using cvs so we have all this technology we have all this sophisticated thinking around recruiting we're at a period of time where companies need to think very deeply about the the type of skills that they have in their in their, in their business yet we still use you know what seems like a very very old fashioned old fashioned thing to anchor the recruitment process round what, what are your what are your views on that <laughs> I violently agree with everything that you just said. Um, I think
1: if anyone stops for a second and thinks about the utility that is the the resume, you, you'll you pretty quickly come to the realization that it's, it's absurd. Um, deep down, we all know it. Uh, I said that the ask of a resume has been, you know, sum up the entirety of your professional career, every important thing you've ever done at work onto one page, and your livelihood depends on it. It's, it's insane. Um, we know it's not the best way to, to join, you know, people and, and employment, yet it's the thing we rely on the most. And, and I, I would go as far as saying, you know, it's not only kind of arcane and, and a blunt instrument. I think it's, it's, it has some really dangerous implications for, for society.
0: Tell us more about those implications. Sure. Um, so you you have to unpack
1: you know kind of what what the resume is a little bit. Um, I mean, look, there's 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 evidence that shows and suggests that you know it it opens the door for an incredible flood of of bias, conscious or or unconscious, to enter the the recruitment process. Um, there's there's studies done that show a recruiter spends at most 7 seconds reviewing a resume and they focus you know they spend 80% of that time focused on on six really kind of superficial things so in 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 a sense it's like it's like the original tinder for <laughs> employment where where these recruiters are just swiping left on most people making these massive assumptions based on on their name, you know, whether they recognize the the t- the name of their their current employer, their previous employer, where they went to school because that's a proxy for how intelligent you are, right? Um, and and they're making a decision on on someone's someone's livelihood. And that's a really important thing that that I think deserves and requires a bit more attention, intention uh, and yet we treat it really haphazardly. Uh, the, the scary thing is that the people who get who get discriminated against are often the people who most need the employment. So we, we start to we start to widen the chasm between those with any sort of privilege you, you can imagine and those w- without it. Um, the, the thing I think a lot about is the idea of discrimination, right? Because in recruitment, discrimination is absolutely necessary and it gets a bit of a dirt, it has become a bit of a dirty word, but discrimination in its literal sense is just the ability to distinguish one thing from another. And that's, that's important. We have to do that. Um, it's when we, when we allow bias to come rushing in that it gets really, really dangerous. It's kind of like a kitchen knife, right? It's absolutely mandatory. You need it, but it 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 gets really dangerous when, when you, when hate, um, w- when other things kind of enter in and it can be used as a really, um, a really dangerous thing. And that's, that's kind of how I look at, at resumes. Um, and I think there are a lot of other alternatives that we could be using that would be a lot more, uh what would just be better and and a, a bit more fair.
0: But what I'd add to that is very often companies don't even really understand the skills they need in their business let alone trying to interpret those from a word document or, or a PDF that 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 is missing data and doesn't doesn't represent the ability of that of that person. You mentioned alternatives and you know lots lots of people have come on the show and sort of talked about cvs cVs not being fit for purpose and bias in the recruitment process but there seems to be a lack of alternatives in practice what do you think the alternatives the to, to this are and do you see them already working in practice in some cases
1: yeah so let me let me back up a little bit because i want to peel a couple things apart that, that you said so um, you started with Company's ability to really glean whether someone is good at something from a resume, and I think you're right to to point that out. That's that doesn't work either, right? Because the resume is this curated collection, according to that person, of all the rock star things they've done. So it's uh, you know I'll say it's probably a bit inflated. At the extreme, there's there's probably things on there that are just false. Um, so that makes it really tricky for for an organization to figure out as well. What I want to separate are our skills from everything else about a person, which is really important. And I think one of the trappings that that businesses fall into is not considering those things collectively. Right, a, a, an incredible developer at Facebook or Amazon may not be an incredible developer for Google. They might have the same requisite skills; they can code in the same language, but one one will work in one context, and the other, and they won't work in another context. And the thing that contributes to that is all the other stuff about a human being aside from the skills that they can perform. And that's where the the, the problem lies. Nobody's measuring that stuff, and that's that's precisely what we try to uncover at the chemistry group. So the, the tools that we use are a number of assessments that get people to reveal their personality preferences, the things that motivate or energize them at work, their go-to behaviors, um, and their, their cognitive ability. These are all things we can, we can largely do through online surveys. But what it adds to the resume, which is just a list of experience is hundreds of other data points on who this person is and whether they're going to fit into the context that you're going to place them, right? Does, does this job require someone who is highly organized and very, very structured? It may, it may not, you know, if, if you're thinking about developers being able to work in in agile, which is you know the, the the new thing, requires a certain type of person, and if if you don't if you if you misalign that, everything's going to feel hard. It's going to feel hard for them. It's going to feel hard for their manager. It's gonna it's going to drag on the team. Um, there's a host of of uh, a cascade of negative effects. That happens when you 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 make a mishire, and it's really costly to a business. I mean, billions of dollars gets wasted every year on, on mishires. And the cost of a mishire, we we estimate at chemistry to be between, you know, four and 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 something like 14 times that person's salary. Um so yes, there are there are more nuanced ways of analyzing whether someone will be the the right person for the job. And I say that uh, with intent, the right person for the job, not the right set of skills, because that's only one part of the story. Um, And that's what we're doing at chemistry. That's what we're focused on. But there are a a number of different examples of of how people are are starting to, or how organizations are starting to think about this. Um, There are blind auditions. There are blind offers. Um there are other uh, you know skill based or 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 material based assessments where whatever that person is going to have to be performing, they actually do a, a sample of that and 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 that is used to qualify someone's the the quality of someone's work rather than where they went to school, which might be irrelevant. Um, you know where they worked last, which also, might be irrelevant. You know, uh, uh, L- Laszlo Bach at Google has got this really powerful statement that you know, that your experience is, is one of the least reliable predictors of future performance. And I, I found that to be true in, you know, in my own journey, in my own path. Uh, I'm sure a number of others have found that to be true as well, yet we're stuck in this, in this rut of kind of cognitive dissonance that this is all we've got. So let's just continue to use it. And I think that's a shame.
0: And what kind of outcomes and value have companies been seeing who are uh, adopting this type of approach in their, in, in their hiring? I mean, I can tell you
1: about the work I'm most familiar with in the last and uh, three years working at chemistry. Um, the value comes in, well, I mean, there's, there's, there's economic, but there's also cultural value. Uh, the economic stuff is all, you know, all the stuff that you can measure when you start improving the quality of the hires that you're bringing in, you see a host. We have documented a host of positive externalities, right? So the, the time to actually hire those people goes down, um, They, the, you know, attrition plummets at, at all levels from the executive level down to, you know, your call center worker, uh, that saves the organization tens of millions of dollars. Um, you know, when we engage with salespeople getting the right, the right salesperson, are they a hunter? Are they a a farmer? We see top line revenue increase by double digits. I mean, we've worked with a number of um telecom companies who were were in a just they were hemorrhaging revenue because they were getting the 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 profile of the salesperson completely wrong you know they wanted the smartest people from the best schools and what we found was you know by doing that first of all you're fishing from a very very small pond and and that the competition for those people is super high so you end up paying a premium for them but they were going they also had a, a an attrition that was you know over 100% which means they were replacing their entire sales force each year because these people were coming into the job they were bored to death and it wasn't stimulating for them what we did was widen the you know open open the pond widen the pool of candidates stop hiring from out of this you know just this group of of top schools and we found that you know, th- their intellect, their horsepower didn't matter. And actually the people who didn't score as high on those cognitive ability tests were actually better suited for the role. And they, they erased their attrition and they brought the company back into the back into the black in a matter of 18 months. So it it's, it happens. Um, it requires a bit of a mindset shift uh that's not easy and you know, and, and and there's a bit of work to be done because we kind of have to we have to break the limbs and, and reset them of of this you know this process this kind of uh calcified way of of doing business that seems to last. Uh, far too long it's outdated it's welcome
0: what's the role of technology in this you, you you mentioned assessments you mentioned online assessments there are a lot of uh, technology providers out there who claim they have some kind of magic bullet that can uh, sol- solve this problem what, what's the what's the, what's the mix between humans and and technology and and how do you ensure that bias doesn't come in in other ways
1: Oof, that's a great question. I don't know that I have a, a perfect answer for that. I think I think technology should should aid us underscore aid in making better decisions, right? I don't think we're ever going to be able to erase discrimination or bias completely. It's just it's it's one of the fundamental instincts of humans. Um, and if we're, if we're creating the, the technology, I, I doubt we're going to be able to create a perfect technology, right? That's a, probably a conversation for another podcast. Um, but I think that we can get better. And so, yeah, I truly believe that, that technological tools can help us get more accurate. And by more accurate, I mean uh, in a less, less discriminatory and zeroing in on the things that actually predict performance, rather than the assumptions that that we have of, of what predicts performance. The, the scariest uh, words, the most frightening kind of phrase I hear too often when I engage with really smart senior business leaders, when we start talking about hiring, they'll say something to the effect of, oh, well, I'll know it when I see it. And if you stop and think about that statement, it's terrifying. Because that it just opens the door for whatever you think is right, and we're all fallible, right? So is there are there technological tools we can use to remove the opportunity for some of that bias to come in? Absolutely. I was speaking to um the the head of talent acquisition for one of our main clients, Experian, um, and this is in the UK region. And uh, this guy's really forward thinking in in how to better use technology in the recruitment process. And you hear all about, and you've probably engaged with like these, these chat bots, right? If you go onto a website, it kind of pops up in the corner of your screen and it's like, hey, can I help you with anything? Well, well organizations are starting to incorporate that into their recruitment process, right? So let's say you're out looking for a job or you're on LinkedIn or something, and it starts to recognize kind of what you're looking for. It's, it, it, it might be able to, to bring you some options and say, hey, you know, where do you live and where would you consider living? And you're like, oh, well, I, I live in New York City. Um, looks like you're, you're looking for a, a, a product manager role. Yeah, I am. Would you consider, would you consider looking in New Jersey? I would, excellent here's, here's a list of, of product manager roles in a, you know, 20 mile radius from, from where you live. Why don't you have a look at these and and see if any of them interest you take 10 minutes and I'll come back to you. And then it does. (laughs) And so you're having this conversation with a, with a, a, an AI and it is it is taking you deeper and deeper into the recruitment process. It starts asking you about key things, you know, in, in your your background, your experience. It could, you know, let's go back to, to what we were talking about earlier. It could start to ask you about your personal preferences, your ways of working. And before you know it, it's done the job of three different recruiters in a matter of minutes that would have taken... Hours to schedule a phone screening, do the phone screening, have the, that really awkward conversation that we've all had over the phone with someone we're trying to get to employ us. It's really strange. And there are ways of, of kind of doing that in a more natural setting that's probably going to get more honest answers, that's going to uncover a lot more. And it's working in the background for an organization. They haven't had to pay anyone to do that. They've paid for the software, obviously. But there's so many cost savings that can that can come out of that. And then when that person does come to, to an interview, whether it's on the phone or in person, the volume of, of background and data that you have on them already, you're, you're already worlds ahead of making a more educated, informed decision on whether they're the right person for the job or not. You know, going back to the, the resume screening bit, like, is there a degree? Are, are people qualified to be, to be spending seven seconds on a resume? Are they that good? They've been trained that well to do this, that we just, we give them this responsibility? No, the answer is of course not. There's no degree for this. And yet we're, it, it, it baffles me that we're, we don't do any diligence in in kind of qualifying our gatekeepers and they they potentially keep a lot of good people out with high potential and um that yeah so using using a a software could be a much much more nuanced way of of getting a lot more data and making a much more accurate decision
0: so final question it's obviously you know, nigh on impossible to predict what the future is going to be like from where from where we from where we currently are. But perhaps sort of putting together some of the, the ideas that you've already talked about, what do you think that coming out of the crisis that we're in now, that employers will be approaching the way that they do recruiting any differently?
1: I, I mean, I think a number of things are changing, and I hope they stick. I do think that we've been forced into this context where employers managers now under they see a much more human side of their employees right and they they have to make concessions for the fact that people have other obli- obligations they have children they have pets you know they have they have elders that 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 require their attention and help and we we tend to ignore those things about people. Um, so I hope this is prying open the door on the realization that the whole person is much more complex, and we should be considering that when we think about bringing that person before going into a relationship with that person, right? Because that's what work is. It's the it's the most dominant relationship that we'll have in our life. We'll spend the most time doing it. So that should be our our whole person should be more considered. Um, then there's there's the working at home bit. Uh, I think that because what was already starting to emerge as a trend where, where people, you, know, and employers were, were thinking about roles that they can they can have people work from home and, and still do successfully. I think that this is just fast forwarding that, right? So I think that organizations are going to take a step back and they're going to realize that, well, you know, the bottom didn't fall out and we had everybody forced to work at home. Why are we paying for this expensive real estate and these these luxury offices when we probably need a half or, or, or less than that, that actual square footage and, and we can keep people at home? What that means for recruitment is that, that we're going to have to learn to rely more on our you know, video conferencing technologies, um, potentially some of these, you know, these these bots or other AI technologies that'll that'll help uh, increase the number of data points that you have on somebody. And I think the consumer or the 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 person looking for a job is going to have to to adapt their their behavior. And maybe maybe that'd be a good thing. You know, maybe maybe it will become a lot more ubiquitous to start to give more personal information, um, share more personal information with your employer. Uh, I don't mean like, you know, open your Facebook and your, and your Instagram up to them, but start to explain more about who you are, what your working preferences are in a way that, that isn't, that's more genuine than, you know, an interview where someone is largely pressured to tell you know, tell that person they're sitting in front of what they think they want to hear, um, and maybe if we figure it out, in collecting that data for people on mass, we can create this this network of, uh, you know, jobs and 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 people profiles that is being matched in the background. Imagine LinkedIn. Could notify you and say, you know, based on what I know about you, here's a job I think you're a really good fit for. And it had nothing to do with your skill set. And it had everything to do with with you as a person. I mean, you know, let's not ignore the skills. Some of them are are mandatory, but I think that kind of that that network would be much more efficient for employers. It would be much more efficient for for individuals in, in matching them to work, that they're going to be engaged and driven to perform at a high level rather than, I need a job because I have to pay the bills, so I'll take this job and I'll contort myself to do it even though it doesn't come naturally to me and it's not sustainable, but I've got to do it because it's the only thing that's on my plate. Sterling... Thank you
0: very much for talking to me. Oh, it was my pleasure. I, I'm really appreciative that you invited me. My thanks to Sterling Gray. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow us on Instagram. You can find the show by searching for Recruiting Future. You can also listen and subscribe to the show on Spotify. You can find all the past episodes at www. Dot recruitingfuture.com dot com on that site you can subscribe to the mailing list and find out more about working with me thanks very much for listening i'll be back next time and i hope you'll join me
1: this is my show